Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Hey CF, my name is Randolph and uh, a little bit about my story is I grew up in a broken home. My parents divorced when I was young. I had a very abusive father and it wasn't until my freshman year of high school uh, that I got to see the grace of Jesus. But the number one thing that I kept questioning was how could this father who loves me so much uh, be real when the only vision that I've ever had of a dad uh, is just abuse and trauma and hurt. And it took me a long time. It took me about a year before I truly welcomed Jesus into my life and said, I want to follow you. But even then, I didn't welcome him into every single part of my life. I wasn't thankful for the saving that he gave to me. Uh, But the more that I continued to just let him in uh, and let him influence my life and let him show me what true love from a true father is like, uh, I got to just see his grace pour out onto me. Uh, And I got to experience his love and the peace that he provides. Uh, And it is something that this world can never provide. Um, and that I'm extremely thankful for, uh, for the grace that God poured out onto me by saving me and showing me what a true family in Christ is like. I could say thanks for nothing, but because of Jesus, I say thanks for everything. Hey guys, my name is Chad Smith, and I'm a member of the teaching team here at ACF Church. Uh, in the last about seven years, we've, uh, me and my wife have had several jobs at the church. We've been serve team leaders. We've been life group leaders. Uh, I've been on the board for about the last four years and finally just came off. And uh, so we, we've done a little bit of everything here. And I'm about to talk to you about the work that Paul wants us to put into gratitude here in Colossians 3.16. Pastor Brian kicked it off last week talking about uh, 3, 1 through 15, leading up and really diving into the idea that we can find peace and thanksgiving in that verse. And uh, I would like to start today, though, by really setting the table. It's important for me when I look at this kind of stuff to understand who's writing and why they're writing and, and just get the backstory. I'm, I'm really a big fan of learning that. Uh, it's important to note that Paul is in prison when we talk about this. He's in prison only a couple days walk away in a town called Ephesus, which is much bigger than the declining Colossae that he's writing this to. And a man named Epaphras, I know that's confusing, uh, walks to to see Paul in prison, probably because they needed to support Paul. Part of the deal in ancient prison was they didn't have cafeterias yet, so your friends and family had to come and feed you and that sort of thing. So Epaphras has made the journey over. He's trying to keep Paul's spirits up, uh, all that kind of thing. But it's interesting that while he's there, he apparently asks Paul for some advice for his church back in Colossae. And what I really like about this is it's one of the few times that Paul writes a letter and it's not uh, to talk about something he's heard that's going wrong at a church. When he starts this letter out, he's talking about how faithful he's heard that the Colossians are being uh, and and doesn't have anything that he's specifically pointing out, uh, admonishing them on. So this is just a letter of advice to to a good and healthy church. And I think that's pretty interesting. It's important also to note 
where Paul is both physically and where he's coming from uh, in his experience in his life. Uh, Like we said, Paul is in jail. That's super important to note because we have a letter uh, to the Colossians that's really all about giving thanks, and the guy who's writing it is in prison. If there's anybody who has an excuse not to be thankful, it's the guy who got put in prison for doing the work that God gave him. So it's really important to keep that in context, but almost equally as important, and maybe even more important, I think, is to look at who Paul is in his experience. He is a Hebrew rabbi. Uh, He calls himself a Jew among Jews and gives this kind of resume of of his rabbi history and a couple of the other uh, letters that he writes. And it's important to think about that and how he understands this long history uh, that's recorded in the Old Testament of God trying to teach his people thankfulness. And so we really got to keep that in mind as we read through this. Uh, I want to start by looking at a tradition that Paul really would have been steeped in, uh, which is the altar. We read about this in Exodus 27, verses 1 through 8. And I just want to kind of look at the work that went into building this thing. Build an altar of acacia wood, three cubits high. It is to be square, five cubits long, and five cubits wide. Make a horn at each of the four corners, so that the horns and the altar are of one piece, And overlay the altar with bronze. Make all its utensils of bronze, its pots to remove the ashes, and its shovels, sprinkling bowls, meat forks, and fire pans. Make grating for it, a bronze network, and make a bronze ring at each of the four corners of the network. Put it under the ledge of the altar so that it is halfway up the altar. Make poles of acacia wood for the altar and overlay them with bronze. The poles are to be inserted into the rings so that they will be on two sides of the altar when it is carried. Make the altar hollow out of boards. It is to be made just as you were shown on the mountain. You might be a little bit confused as to why we just read this long passage about building an altar. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you probably are thinking, isn't the altar for sin sacrifice to begin with? Uh, and what's the point of all of that? Well, I really want to, to talk about two things here. For one, it was just a lot of work. It's very exacting. Uh, there's all of this construction that needs to happen and then metal work that goes with that as well. Uh, but I also want to point out that it wasn't just for sin. The sin alterings in the Old Testament were, were kind of a limited thing in the sense that they were to be done at certain festivals and, and specific times uh, when Israel would come together and ask for forgiveness of their sins. But if you do a quick search, like if you got on your, your Bible app or BibleGateway.com or something like that, and you look up Thanksgiving, you'll find in the Old Testament this tradition of the thanks offering. And that was to be given whenever, you know, if you, if you had a kid and, and they were healthy or if there was a good harvest or all of these things, you could just go to the temple and go to the altar and make a sacrifice for that and give thanks to God for that. And this is something that Paul knew very well. And so the more I read about the difficult construction of the altar itself and the idea that we're supposed to give sacrificially in thanksgiving to God, it really made me think about the old phrase, nothing worth having comes easy. 
Uh, I'll put one caveat as just simply salvation. Jesus' gift to us uh, is free and clear, and all we have to do is accept that. But past that, Paul really makes a lot of points in a lot of his books about how much work we have to put into this. And and it's worth it is the entire point. So if we're going to continue to talk about gratitude, we really need to take it seriously that there's work that goes into that. See, I believe that the altar wasn't this painstaking project uh, because God is just a, enjoys good furniture. Uh, this was something that he knew because he designed us, and he understands that our hearts get connected to the things that we're invested in, things that we pour, you know, the old saying, blood, sweat, and tears into. And so he understands that the harder we work and the more we put into his work, the more connected we'll be to it. If you don't believe me that God wants a little bit extra when it comes to Thanksgiving, let's take a look at another uh, interesting little passage of biblical law in Leviticus 7.12. He's talking about giving the, the Thanksgiving offering. If he presents it for Thanksgiving, in addition to the Thanksgiving sacrifice, he is to present unleavened cakes mixed with olive oil, unleavened wafers coated with oil, and well-kneaded cakes of fine flour mixed with oil. So the Israelite bringing his Thanksgiving offering isn't just uh, to, to give the sacrificial offering. He's also to bring even more uh, you know, cakes, wafers, and cookies, apparently, uh, for good measure. And this isn't a punishment. It's not that he's uh, being punished for giving a Thanksgiving offering. It's that God understands that that extra bit always ties your heart back to him a little bit more. And, and as we give more in thanks, we will, we will be more thankful for it. I know that doesn't make sense, but uh, Paul also talks a lot in a, in a couple of different books using the analogy of sports. He compares us to people who are running in the Olympic Games, in the ancient games. And I don't know about you, but uh, my wife Emily and I were super disappointed when the Olympics were shut down this summer. It's something that we really look forward to. And I think that this issue of putting in work is kind of the key of why we enjoy the Olympics so much. Even vicariously, through somebody else, we get that, you know, that kind of laser focus and, and commitment and effort that it takes to be the best in the world at something really makes it important and really makes it uh, tied to you and who you are. And Paul understood that when he made this analogy. So now I hope that I've made the point of Paul's understanding of the work that will go into the gratitude that we're going to talk about here in Colossians. So let's jump into the verse for today. Let this message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. Colossians 3, verse 16. Just a quick breakdown. So Paul is saying that we are to be living in the word and message of Jesus. He gives us three things to do in that, and then he wraps it all up in the attitude with which we are supposed to be doing it. First off, we're to teach. And I think that we all kind of understand what Paul is talking about here. Uh, we don't have to get into that too much, but just the sharing of 
the words and ideas uh, that God has given us in his word, which we call the Bible. Uh, while that can be done many, many different ways, again, I think we understand what Paul's saying. The second one is a little more alien to us, the idea of admonishing. Uh, I don't know what it was like in Paul's time, but for us, uh, you know, we really don't like to be told that we're doing something wrong, that we're messing up. Uh, so this one can be kind of fun. A little bit of conflict comes into it. But I, I kind of want to switch words a little bit, even though that's not altogether cool when you're talking about uh, breaking apart Bible verses. But uh, I want to replace it just for a second with accountability. The idea that we're holding one another accountable, because that's what admonishment uh, is the beginning of. So it's using wisdom to share a truth so that we can help one another uh, walk closer to God. Paul thinks very highly of people who are good at this. Let's take a look at his letter to 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 and 13. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. I think it's because Paul knew he needed to encourage us an extra little bit with this uh, because it is a tough job. Uh, people who, who are giving admonishment are not always appreciated greatly, so he's reminding us that we really should be thinking about that. And then the last of the things that Paul's asking us to do that we might dwell richly in Christ is singing spiritual songs, uh, hymns, and psalms. It's really interesting to me that all three of these things are, are outward. So I really uh, want to make the point that Paul isn't just saying, uh, you know, listen to the band. They sound great. And you can just you know, sit in your chair and worship in your heart. He's asking you to, to get up and sing and sing to God. I think the best verse I could find in understanding this is actually written into one of the Psalms that he's uh, encouraging us to sing. Uh, Let's read Psalm 96, verses 1 through 3. Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to Yahweh. Sing his name. Proclaim his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonderful works among all people. Psalms 96, 1 through 3. So Paul has given us these three things to do to richly dwell in Christ. And you know what's pretty cool to me is that those three things are really the basis of church. He's asking us to get together, teach the word, admonish one another, uh, hold each other accountable to, to getting better and growing in Christ, and to sing and worship together. So, I mean, we, if we stop the verse right there, I'm sure us and the Colossians would just be like, this is amazing, we're doing this, we're killing it. So, uh, you know, but the, the thing is, is he's asking us to do it in an attitude. He, at the end, tacks on, do all of these things with your hearts full of gratitude. I don't know if you have ever had a job in retail or customer service or, uh, or a public relations type job, but to be asked to do an already difficult task and then you're supposed to do it with this attitude of deference and a smile on your face and the customer is always right, all that sort of thing. To me, this verse seems very similar to that. Just the idea that you need to t- take something that's already work and not just do it, but you need to do it with a smile on your face. You need to do it with gratitude to God. And, and 
to me, that's even harder. Like if I'm asked to do a job, I've been a retail manager uh, several times before my current job. And if you're asked to do a job, it's one thing, but then to be asked to do it with a smile on your face all the time, that's a totally different thing. You know, as someone who's standing up here teaching to you now, I can tell you that the preparation that goes into it, uh, the sacrifice of time with your family, all that sort of stuff, it doesn't always just generate gratitude in your life. So these are things that we need to work at, and Paul's trying to make that point. Let's go back and look uh, at, the, at the three things he's asking us to do, each through the lens of gratitude. So let's think about teaching with gratitude. For one, this isn't just directed at the preacher. This is for everybody. He's not just saying Epaphras, you need to teach with gratitude. He's talking to the entire church. I think it's really important to think about we all should be uh, studying and learning from our Bible with the intent to teach it. I'll go so far to say that we should be studying to remember things specifically to teach to those in our circle of influence. When you read your Bible, do it with thanks in your heart to God for the message that he's given you and try to learn as much as you can to take and teach other people. Take some time while you read to think about the people who have taught you before and be thankful for that. Think about who has taught you how to read the Bible and how to uh, open new truths from it. Uh, Take a minute when you're done reading and just ask God to bless them for it. Uh, The second one is admonishing. And I really think that of the three, this one changes the most with the application of gratitude, if that makes sense. I really think it takes a lot of the sting out of being told a hard truth if it's coming from somebody who has this attitude of, of being thankful that you're even listening to them uh, bring it and, and the hardship that it takes to confront somebody that you love with something they're doing wrong. How much more humble does it sound when somebody comes to you uh, and says, you know, I'm sorry, but I, I really think I need to, to tell you this because people have helped me in my past and I just want to help you as well. Rather than just, you know, one of your friends being like, bro, you're totally screwing this up. Uh, we need to talk about it. It's, it's a totally different conversation. And I would go so far to say that this is really the dividing line between judgment and admonishment is gratitude. Because if you're doing it simply without gratitude, I would say that it's all an outward look. If you're taking a hard truth, and it might even be something they need to hear, but if you're taking that truth to them without any kind of gratitude or acknowledgement of the sin in your own life, that's, you're kind of in a judgment category at that point. But if you're looking at it as, man, I was so thankful when somebody told me uh, about how I was messing this up and helped me grow and be better, uh, then, then you've really crossed over into admonishment. You're going to help that person uh, more than just judge them on what they're up to. Quick side note with this one. Uh, remember that Paul is talking to the church. This is not just carte blanche for all of us to go out and start, uh, even in gratitude, just taking it to the street. We're not supposed to be uh, just telling everybody we meet uh, unsolicited life advice. This is for us in the church. Uh, but being thankful for God, correcting our actions when we are able to help one another uh, by admonishing one another and calling one another to be better Christians daily.
The last one uh, is interesting, singing with gratitude. I know for some of you, you probably were terrified at the idea of the first two. You uh, think that you couldn't get up here and do what I'm doing right now or that it'd be hard to teach. Uh, some of you just cringe at the idea of confronting uh, one of your friends on something you see that they're doing that's really hurting their walk with Christ. Uh, but for me, this one is tough, uh, singing with gratitude. Uh, and it's because I recognize that in my life there's been way too much time that I've spent self-conscious while I'm sitting in a pew singing. Uh, I'm thinking more about uh, what my neighbor is hearing and am I being disruptive and that sort of thing than I am just being thankful and singing to God. And that's been a tough thing in my life. It's not even that I think that I'm a bad singer. It's just this distraction that I let take away uh, one of these three legs that Paul's telling us to do in gratitude. So as I thought about this, uh, it really got even more awkward applying the time that we're in with, with outposts. Before, at least, I could sit in a crowd of 300 people and just sing enough to be sort of drowned out and be part of the chorus. Uh, When it's seven people in my living room, it's a different story altogether. You can't get away with that. Uh, So as I I really thought about this, I, I thought, how can we grow in this? And I think that outposts might be a blessing. I think that if you can talk to your outpost and be honest about this, maybe we should start getting together 10, 15 minutes before service starts and just spend a little bit of time uh, expressing gratitude to God for the things that have happened that week. And even if you don't have a story, I honestly think hearing your friends and your brothers and sisters in Christ uh, express gratitude and just tell the things that God's done for them is going to change your heart and give you a little bit of gratitude as well and help us as we get into this time of singing. And hopefully then we can just belt it out and, uh, and still love one another. But the important takeaway from, from the entire stretch of these is that Paul is telling us not to take Thanksgiving for granted, that it takes work, that there's work that needs to be done to make us better at this. Paul and God know what serious athletes, entrepreneurs, and your grandparents knew, uh, that nothing worth having comes easy, that the things that we put in effort toward matter the most to us. And God wants us to work in his work. He's very clear about that. But it's not because he needs us. He's the creator of the universe. He doesn't need you and I to do anything. It's because he understands that we will be closer to him as we get invested in his work. As we work alongside God, we will be tied to him in our hearts. So Paul's sharing what's keeping him going in prison even. This is, again, a letter about Thanksgiving that he's writing in prison. That's such an important thing to remember when we're really looking back at this. He's telling us to do the things that he can't right now. He can't necessarily worship while he's in prison. Uh, Maybe he can teach. He's talking to our our friend Epaphras, uh, and maybe he's admonishing him. We don't know that part, but he uh, he's he's still thankful. The things that he is able to do, he's doing out of this place of gratitude. And I think that's why they're impactful today. But I also think that that's what's going to change the way that the world sees the church now. 
Just like we put more emphasis on this letter because Paul is writing it from this place it's hard to be thankful from, I think now is a key time for the church to be thankful and to be operating out of this attitude of gratefulness because that changes everything. How much more lovely is the church to the world if they can see us being thankful in a time of weird politics, in a time of of totally divisive uh, mask wearing, and, and all of these other things that the world's riled up about? What if the church, instead of worrying about those things, was thankful for the things that God is doing for us right now? I also think it's really awesome to remember that this letter is Paul's best advice to a church. Out of all the things that he could have told us to do or could have told the Colossians to do to get better at at serving God, his main point here is to be the church with gratitude in your heart. And I think that's an amazing and life-changing thing to note. A lot of the research that I did looking into this letter uh, came from a a pretty famous theologian named N.T. Wright. And N.T. Wright uh, wrote all kinds of, of cool stuff that I learned about this, the, the when, where, and why of the letter, kind of uh, where this little town was, that it's a thing that's sort of falling off the map at the time while other cities are really coming into prominence. Uh, I, I learned that uh, it's been debated where in Paul's timeline of ministry did he write this letter. N.T. Wright thinks that it's later in his career, and a lot of other theologians think it's earlier in his career. But none of that, while interesting, really mattered. One thing that stuck with me was this great little saying that he kept using in describing what the book of Colossians means to the church and what it's asking of the church. And N.T. Wright puts it like this. He says that Colossians is about changing thanksgiving into thanksliving. I think that's so simple And yet such a profound statement. Being thankful, the occasional act of thanksgiving is one thing. But living in continual thanks and gratitude to God and living out of that, acting out of that is an entirely other thing. So instead of just thanksgiving one day a year, Uh, Colossians is asking us to live in thanksgiving constantly and to move toward that in everything that we're doing, not just church. To start wrapping all of this up, I would really like us to do a thought experiment for just a minute. Think back to the altar being built in in, uh, Exodus. But this altar has no need for the sin altar, the sin offering portion. Uh, we believe that Christ has atoned for us in that, so we don't need to give a sin offering there. So we're free to use this altar uh, just for thanksgiving. What, what does building an altar for thanksgiving look like in your life? What steps do you need to take to build that altar? Do you maybe need to start a gratitude journal? I know that's worked for a lot of my friends and and really changed their lives. Do you need to set a reminder in your phone just to say thanks to your spouse uh, for everything that they do during the the day? Uh, Do you need to ask a coworker to go out to lunch with you just to tell them thanks? I appreciate what you do around the office. Uh, Do you maybe need to stop by the church and, and buy coffee for the staff and say, we really appreciate the kingdom work that you do here. Um, 
what, what are the, the steps that you can start taking there? And just as important, I think it's critical to remember that this was a letter written to a group of people, not to an individual. This isn't telling uh, Jeff or Brian or, or whoever, you know, how, how to act as a better Christian. He's specifically talking to the church. And so with that in mind, who do you need to ask to help build your Thanksgiving altar? I really believe that God is calling us to make a plan to live in thanksgiving and to help one another live that out so that we can walk closer to God as a church. Normally, we leave you with a question at the end uh, to mull over with your outpost or your family. But this week, I think Paul has already given us something here. Uh, As we finish up, I just ask you to take a few minutes to just be thankful for one another. If someone in your group is a great teacher, show them that you appreciate that. Tell them uh, how the way that they can bring new ideas out of the Bible has changed your heart or your life. Uh, And if somebody's great at, at telling truths that need to be told about someone else's walk and, and faithfully does that do like Paul says and highly regard them. And I, and again, I just ask you to spend a little bit of time in gratitude before worship, really think about as a group, how you can elevate your gratitude before you sing to God so that you can get all that other stuff off your heart and just sing to our creator from place of thankfulness. But before I close this in prayer, there are a couple of of announcements we need to make, things that are coming up in church. And so next Sunday is going to be one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Uh, One of the most important things I remember was just a couple of days after uh, the earthquake happened a couple of years ago in 2018, we had Compassion Sunday. And as a church, we had already decided that we wanted to sponsor 500 kids in Burkina Faso. And we want to continue that work and keep that going. Just as things have changed in people's lives, uh, some people have had to step away from those th- from the commitment, and some people need to, to take up that burden. We want to continue to sponsor 500 kids. And we're going to talk more about that next week on our Compassion Sunday. And last thing is just, uh, I really want you to put this on your calendar. There's going to be a partner meeting next next week. We normally do that as an in-person thing after church, but this year we're going to have a Zoom meeting. It's going to be at 7 p.m. next Sunday, November 22nd, and it's going to be a great place for you to see the vision of the leaders of the church. We're going to review what's happened over the last year. We're going to kind of cast vision on the things that are coming up and where we're going, uh, but you need to put that on your calendar. Also, if you're not a partner yet and you want to be involved in the mission here at ACF, we would really ask that you would write us at office at acfak.org. Thanks so much. Let's pray, guys. Jesus, thank you uh, for Paul and his words. Thank you for the hard truths that he brings to us, God, uh, even today. Lord, I just ask that you would help us as we strive to be thankful, God. It's such a confusing time, and there's so many things going on in our world that can take us away from that. And I just ask that you would continue to inject your love and grace into your church, that you would remind us daily about being thankful for all of the, the many wonderful blessings 
blessings that you've given us. Uh, help us to seek out um, other Christians who are in different parts of the world and get perspective and relearn uh, what it means to be thankful to you, God. I just ask that you would continue to open our eyes and our hearts. Help us as we work. Uh, draw us nearer to you. And again, God, just please open our eyes to the things that we should be thankful about this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, we hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with Him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.